Hello and welcome to another episode of Adam for Baseball. We're on, what is it, week four of fantasy, just finishing up today. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff to talk about again. Um, I think the first thing I want to kind of bring up is the Mexico City series between San Francisco and San Diego. I, I get it. I think it's good for baseball. I don't mind if that's an exhibition type thing. But um, something like last night tends to skew the way, you know, I know that Major League Baseball isn't scheduling stuff to make sure that fantasy baseball leagues are, you know, experiencing parity. Right, but last night's game was sixteen and to eleven, and there was a total of what was it nine home runs, I think. So Crawford, Wade, Haniger, um, VR. So four for the Giants, and then Nelson Cruz, Juan Soto, Xander Bogarts, Tatis Jr. Machado had two, um, six for San Diego. So 10 home runs last night in the Mexico City game. And it was a 16 to 11 game. That kind of stuff just takes numbers and messes with them. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then also, it's a weird deal then because then on Friday, um, San Diego and... Um, San Fran didn't play, right? Because there's kind of a travel and prep and media day when they get down there. Um, so it ends up being a little little bit different of an ordeal. And like today's game, they're in the bottom of the fourth. or bottom, I'm sorry, bottom of the eighth. It's a 4-4 game. A lot more, um, a, lot, a little bit more, how do we say this? Normal of a game, but there's still been four home runs in the game, right? A 4-4 game, four home runs. So you do the math. There's some solo shots in there. But if you are if you had San Fran or Padres players that were capitalizing from that or you're facing that, you're feeling good or bad, right? And... That's kind of something I ran into is I was beating a guy really handily and he was able to kind of sneak away a couple stats just from those players that were in that game. And I know that I shouldn't blame it all in one game, but otherwise they were sunk. Like if that game's played at Petco because San Diego's the home team, then you have a lot different experience, you know, and then there's all the the weather issues in e, the East Coast. So, like, the Mets and the Braves haven't been playing. And there's a lot of big players on those teams. Um, I think there's another game that was postponed today, too. Was it two games or just, just Braves-Mets today? And then yesterday was... Um, was a makeup day for Pirates Nationals. And... So it's just been a little bit of weird. There's Orioles, Tigers was postponed on Friday. So there's been a lot of weird weather moving out that way. Um, and then so that just kind of messes because the games that get made up outside of this week don't, you know, that doesn't help you as a fantasy manager. Those are just a clean loss. And when you're drafting players, you're not drafting based on, boy, I wonder, you know, are they going to have some rainouts that week? That's not the way you think. If you do, well, that's you're playing 4D chess, you know. So I don't know. That's kind of my gripe right off the gate. Is it's just the weird week, the weird scheduling, the Mexico City game, which is good for baseball, but weird for weird for fantasy. And that's stuff you just got to kind of deal with. But if you're in a paid league, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I don't want to deal with it, you know. Um, got some a lot of little injuries that are keeping guys out for like 
a couple of days and then they'll play. They're like, um, you know, I still don't feel 100%. So they're out for a couple more days. They're not going in the IL. So if, you know, in fantasy, like let's say a guy's ultimately out 10 days, but they never put him on the IL, then you can't put him on the IL. And then you can't pick up someone to replace that player while they're on the IL. And that can be tough, right? Um, you know, I have Corey Seager on the IL, and he's list. it's listed as, um, you know, what is he, the 15 or 10-day IL? That's not true. Like, they can't put him on the 60 because they think he'll be back before the 60. So you're seeing a little bit of a weird deal there where you don't exactly know when Seager's going to be back. Um the guy I'm facing on this league has Scherzer. Scherzer's having to deal with that suspension, and that's a whole strange thing in 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 and of itself. Um, I had two massive duds on the pitching side of things today. Brady Singer went two and two-thirds. He struck out five batters, which you're like, oh, that's good. But he gave up um, like eight runs. So that's a 27 ERA, folks, and a 3.00 whip. Johan Oviedo against the Washington Nationals, one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball, record-wise. He pitched two and a third, only one strikeout, and you guessed it, 27 ERA, and a 4.71 whip. Crushed my ratios. I was competing on those. I was actually looking for a clean sweep on stats this week. Those pitchers single will join together. They joined forces to take take down those ratios for me. And when I say ratios, I'm referring to ERA and WHIP. ERA, uh, we just kind of want to reiterate, for those that don't know, that's earned run average, right? So if you take someone's stats and then average it out over nine innings, which is a full game, but most pitchers don't pitch nine innings a game, right? So if you take their stats, say they pitched 18 innings, they gave up four runs in those 18 innings, that's a 2.00 earned run average. Okay. And that's one of the big stats. And then whip, which we talked about a little bit last week, walks and hits per innings pitched. Um, per inning pitched, I should say. Um, but yeah, so there's there's kind of a lot of weird things. DeGrom, I think, did he, yeah, I think he officially went on the, the IL, 15-day IL, right elbow inflammation, um, this is something, if you follow Jacob deGrom, this is something he struggles with. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on that elbow. He throws hard. He's a very good pitcher. But it's an unnatural thing for the human body to do that over and over and over again. And some guys just, no matter how hard you work to prevent it, they're just a little more susceptible to that being an issue for them repeatedly. He's one of those guys. Um, now, will it be just 15 days? I, I I actually don't know. That's that's a good question. It could be longer. Be prepared for it to be longer, I should say. Um, um, Tyler Malley for the Twins. We don't know what's really going on with him. It went from being, hey, we're going to keep him out at least a start, you know, to now today, Rocco Baldelli said, I think it was tonight, um, he's going to miss at least four weeks. And what the injury is, it's a posterior impingement in flexor pronator strain. Okay. So th- this is talking about him being ultimately evaluated for playing end of May, right? Then that means um, even if he's ready to go, let's say he's ready to go, best case scenario, I'm sure he'll have a couple of rehab starts in minor leagues. If they don't, I'd be surprised. Um, what you need to be aware of then is this means Bailey Ober will be pitching for the on the Twins rotation. He pitched yesterday, he pitched well, albeit the Twins lost 3-2 to two in that game. But uh, Sonny Gray came back today and pitched a very good game. And he's been nothing short of spectacular. Um, 
Tyler Malley's starting to look like it could be a really poor trade for the Twins if he can't stay healthy. I like it when he's healthy. I like the pitcher he is. That's not the issue. It's just an injury thing right now and, and health thing, if whether or not he can stay healthy. So this elbow stuff, you have to be paying attention. Brandon Woodruff, I don't think they really thought it was going to be as bad as it was when he first was like showing signs of like that when they first kind of took him out. And I think with Woodruff, they hope he will be back um, end of June, which apparently is a very good thing. Like they're very happy about that. So that tells you how how um, how scary that was and how serious they thought it was. The thing that scares me when you hear that, they're like, oh, wow, we cannot believe it. He's going to be ready end of June is if he has any setback, it's going to be probably another month. Like that's not a week's thing. If we're already talking about him being out a couple months, any setbacks within that kind of window and we're talking about a right shoulder, that means it's more and more and more or eventually it comes down to, okay, we thought there was good things going on. The MRIs looked good because you had a follow-up MRI and that's where they're feeling good. But if you watch... um, if you watch um, any sort of sports, you get a feel for injuries and kind of what it all means. And um, it's uh, it's a it's something to keep an eye on for sure with Brandon Woodruff. And then um, I don't want to I don't want to be too uh, too hammering away at this um, with injuries and stuff like that. But Bryce Harper. I mean, we're talking about big players I'm, I mentioned. These are players that get drafted, right? Um, Bryce Harper, they say, is he's going to have another follow-up appointment, right? If things are good, he gets to rejoin the Phillies lineup on Tuesday. I know he's been out there swinging, right? Bryce Harper is one of those guys, and I know he's been getting, you know, just like with anybody, your your always getting older. It's just the way things are. Time time is always moving forward, so you're always getting older and when you're getting older, recovery isn't usually as good once you get to a certain age. And so the fact that Bryce is able to come back, I really think he's just going to be ready to go. The the Phillies need him so bad. If he can contribute the way that they hope he can contribute, Boy, I mean, Phillies could wake up, and if you have players on that team, you could start seeing really positive things happen in that lineup. And they're starting to already show signs of life, right? That you know, I think mentally it was just such a such a hit, right? And you know, they they are now over five hundred as a team, which is saying something because they were really struggling. And how did they get over five hundred by beating the Astros, which? That's nothing short of impressive either. And so, they yeah, last two games they pitched really well. Nola and Wheeler, I mean, you bring out your two best starters to take care of business. Now tonight they're on Sunday night baseball. Um, really annoyed with these um, games that they're putting on Sunday night baseball. It's become so boring with the rotation of teams that they're showing showcasing. It. I get it. It's a World Series rematch and all that stuff, but this is boring. The Astros or the Rangers—they've always had—they've had a Texas team in almost every Sunday Night Baseball. This is ridiculous. It's just big markets that aren't fun games. They haven't really had very good Sunday Night games. It feels like I get excited about them just because I want to because it's a prime time game and that's something that's lost in the sport of baseball and. So I, I want to be excited about it. I want it to be something like, hey, I can have a friend over and we watch, you know, some primetime baseball. But then it ends up being stinkers. So I hope tonight's game's good, but it's still annoying. It's I mean, it's Falter against Urquidy. And both, you know, Urquidy's been a huge letdown. I have him in my dynasty league. And I know I'm just kind of rambling right now, but this is just kind of a stream of consciousness run right now because this week and this Month has been so weird. This is the last day of the month, right? So I don't know what it is, but it does something to players mentally. 
Some players, and part of it is the weather's getting nicer. Even where I live in Minnesota, we're starting to see that the corner's turning. And um, East Coast, I don't know how it's going to be. There's been a lot of storms. I think there's that could be an issue for still a little while. But, um, yeah, I... Watch if you have players that you're a little concerned about April, their April, look up baseball reference, right? So right now let's do it. Let's do this. I'm gonna go to baseball reference. Who's someone that's struggling for me? Um let's go Austin Riley. Austin Riley's been very underwhelming this month. And he hasn't been bad, right? He has not been bad. He's still like because he's good and because that team's good, that, that lineup's good, they just kind of find a way to get it done. You know, he's only he's like 253 average, five homers or something like that. And, you know, 15 RBIs. That's not enough, by the way, for where he's being drafted and the kind of talent he is on that lineup, right? And so I actually have not looked this up. I don't know. I mean, the Braves are 18-9, and nine, right? So they're playing winning baseball. But he's been kind of a weak spot, whereas Ronald Acuna has been incredible, right? So let's go to Austin Riley's career. And we're going to go to splits, run baseball-reference.com, okay? And all I did was I searched for Austin Riley in the search bar. And then there's a um, a bar, there's some tabs underneath his kind of summary, stat summary at the top of the screen. You have Austin Riley overview, minor league and fall league stats, splits, game logs, advanced stats and finders, and then some more tabs. We want to go to the splits, and then if we hover over splits, it's going to show individual years, or we go to career, and I want career. So I'm going to go down, and then you can choose what kind of splits you want, right? So whether that's ballpark, whether that's umpires, whether that's certain catchers by innings. I mean, there's so many things you can really deep dive on with this. But what we care about is month by month, right? So if I go to what I ultimately care about is slugging, okay? This guy's a career 503 slugging percentage. He has a 444 slugging percentage right now in the month of April. Historically, between April and March, he has a 485 slugging percentage. When it hits May, he slugs at a clip of 571. His OPS goes up 80 points. His batting average goes up 22 points. He's decidedly better once this weather warms up, it looks like. Looks like he takes a little bit of a step back in June. Then July is his month. A career 622 slugging percentage in June. Or I mean in July. So what does this tell you? This guy's a hot weather weather hitter. He's going to hit. He's going to get it done. You just know with professionals, you just know they'll get it done. These like big time players. There's a track record. We know what they're capable of. Even five home runs in a month isn't bad, right? There's six months in the baseball season. That's 30 home run season. That's not bad. But 15 RBIs is a little lackluster because that means it would be a 90 RBI season, and that's not what we're looking for. We want more. And so we're looking for him to get more consistent because he's had a lot of 0-4 whatever days. Them having this these rainouts, it's gonna make for some double headers then down the road against New York Mets. Okay, so you gotta be that yes, this penalizes you on this week, but there is gonna be a week where he has double headers coming up and you're gonna get a lot more at bats from a guy like Austin Riley, Ronald Cunha, Ozzy Albies, uh, Michael Harris too, you know, the second I mean. So be cognizant of that. Um and that's why I look at these these splits. I I, I don't. You, there's no reason to panic. Like you're gonna trade Austin Riley away? Is that what you want to do? Go for it. I sure hope you got someone good back because this guy's a stud. And if you're gonna let one sixth of a season decide how you feel about a player, that's fine. Especially when there's a track record showing you that things are gonna get better. Some guys just don't hit in cold weather. I watch um, Twins baseball, obviously. It's cool up here right now. 
watching balls that should go out of the ballpark and they're hitting hit to the warning track. I know come June, that's a home run for these Trevor Larnicks, for these Carlos Correas. And Joey Gallo doesn't seem to care because he's hitting the ball so hard. Um, yeah, uh, let's take one more player. Let's do this again. Um, who else has just ha- kind of had a tough time? Oh, Julio, uh, I don't really know how to put the emphasis on the when the accent is on the I. I think it's Urias or Urias. Um, but it's Julio from the Dodgers, Julio Urias. Urias. And we're going to look him up. Okay, we're just at baseball reference, just like we usually are, huh? Okay, I'm going there right now, scrolling down. And this is a guy... He's a young guy. He's 26. And it's wild because he's pitched 52 wins. He's he's started 107 games. This guy's had a career already that some guys only dream of. And he's still a young man. So this is where I feel good about going into his splits. Going month by month. Let's see if he's a slow starter, right? And you can look at his the the numbers of of hitting stuff against him, but we're gonna just go to the raw stuff. We're gonna go to, um, you know, WHIP and, and ERA. So his ERA is is okay in April March. It goes up in May. It gets even worse in May according to his history. And so that's kind of interesting. And then he he's a guy though that gets stronger then as the season goes on. Once you get past May, he part of his this is guy this guy's from Mexico. I think he played on the Mexican World Baseball Classic team. Some guys, when you grow up in a tropical weather climate or a very warm climate, of course you're going to be more comfortable in warm weather. That's that's logic. Now you have weird exceptions to the rule. Irvin Santana. When he got signed by the Twins, he was excited because he was a guy who pitched well in cold weather. And so he was excited to come to the Twins. And so he's sitting there while guys just can't seem to get the feel of the ball in, you know, April. He's sitting there just smiling, throwing the best pitches of his life. And this is guys from the Dominican Republic. You know what I mean? It's a bizarre deal. But... You know, the numbers speak for themselves. Like his best ERA over his career, the best months was April, March. And when it says March, that was like, that's a couple days usually maybe in March. So it's ultimately April, 3.75 ERA, and then September, October, ultimately September, 3.65 when things start to cool down again. His worst months are when it's the hottest. So there's something about him. That's just operates better in colder weather. And the proof is there. You know what I mean? Isn't that strange? And so I, I that's the kind of stuff I look at. That's the kind of stuff I think about. And I'm not saying, like, a guy like Austin Riley, he's playing well enough to, to be in every day. You don't just take out Austin Riley because unless you have a guy that's tearing it up. Like let's say you have a Brent Rooker. And you've been riding Riley in the utility slot for some reason, then maybe you run Rooker right now, right? So like when I'm gonna calm down because you know I I got so upset with some of these transactions, right? And I'm gonna calm out right now a little bit, but my brother, <laughs> my brother had the audacity. <laughs> to, <laughs> to say, hey, you know, I was going to get a hold of you and be like, Chris Bassett didn't do so well today. And you know what? He's not wrong. And because he dropped Chris Bassett, by the way. And I didn't know that when I was running my mouth about dropping Chris Bassett. I stand by what I said. <laughs> but it's, I don't know, it's just funny. It's, we had a guy in our league this week, right? This week. What did he do? He um, dropped Alex Bregman. I, I'm letting that just kind of sit. 
Okay. I understand Alex Bregman is off to a slow start. But do you really believe Alex Bregman isn't worth being on a team? Like, is your A, is your team so good that you can't play Alex Bregman? It's one of the crazier things I've ever seen. I'm trying not to freak out right now. Because I I really had a difficult time with that move. (laughs) But you know what? Like, and and I can't, I, I, so I made a claim. I made a claim for, for Bregman and he's not available actually until, um, he's actually not available until the second, right? Coming off of waivers, but I'm making a claim for him. You don't think I'm making a claim for him? Come on. Stupid Alex Bregman's. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing? even for depth okay i'm just so it's it's so bizarre to me here what well, here's what we're going to do let's go over to that guy's his team right and he picked up jaron duran oh no i just saw the team it all makes sense i don't want to run this guy in the mud any more than i have I do not want to run this this guy in the mud mud any more than I have. Ooh, man. And the worst part is, oh my gosh, this this really hurts me. The worst part is he's I have a friend in this league, and he's gonna listen to this. And this guy's beating my friend, and it it is breaking my heart right now that I look at this. And this is the guy that runs a lot of pitching. And that's where my buddy's going to lose out. And it's, it's, I feel for my buddy because this guy executed it really well this week. And then he finally sat guys when the time came, when he really saw that he had things in hand. My buddy's ratios weren't good enough to beat him out. Like that's where you can win this, right? Because this guy's ratios ultimately weren't, great but they are good enough to win a lot of matchups week in week out but and then he's just hoping that he can steal an offensive stat no i'm not sure how he's going to do that when he's dropping alex bragman but you know whatever and when you're playing just towards one half of the stat sheet when i'm saying that like you have five offensive stats in these typical yahoo leagues and then five pitching stats He's trying to win five pitching stats and hoping he wins offensive ones or thinks he can steal some. That means you're playing at best, like what your hope is that, okay, I, I'm hoping I can break even, that I can play 500, I can have a 500 record, right? I can break even on my record and then hopefully I steal enough points instead of lose enough points or instead of losing points to have a winning record. It's such a bizarre strategy to me unless you drafted very well with your hitting and you don't drop Alex Bregman. So I'm sitting here hoping hoping, and praying that somehow my buddy, I don't think he's got a way to win. And he had, he had a really tough, he had some guys that really didn't play well. You know, Joe Musgrove, um, uh, Reed Detmers, uh, Nick Lodolo. Those guys just got hit for runs, but like Lodolo had strikeouts. We love that, you know. Part of it is I just don't trust that Angels team, and he's got he's got um, Griffin Canning and Reed Detmers, and I don't like pulling from a pool of a team that I don't trust, and I don't know why because I just don't. I think part of it is I don't like unknowns, and nobody completely, unless you're maybe over there in Anaheim, and you're like, oh, yeah, we know why the Angels can't win every year, even though they have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. I think part of it is there's got to be it's got to be coaching or just culture, right? Because some of these guys, like Reed Detmers is a good pitcher. I think he's going to be a very good pitcher for a long time. Griffin Canning, same thing. But they're so inconsistent, you wonder how, and they're not hurt, and you're wondering, well, why? These are the questions I ask when I see certain guys act that way, right? But this has been a bizarre start to the season anyway. Um, 
even in my own league, when I look, like I had mentioned, you know, you have, uh, how do I show the whole week? Their matchup totals. You know, Urias struggled for me. Singer struggled. Oviedo struggled. Gilbert struggled just on the runs department. And I'm still going to win this week 7-3 to three, um, because I got enough wins, saves, and Ks. You know, I ran a really heavy pitching week, and I had 55 innings, okay? Now, here's the – I want to show you how hard this guy's going in the paint with pitching against my buddy. He's This is the all-in pitching guy. He has 73 innings, and he sat a bunch of guys, right? I don't think he played out everybody. By the way, this guy has Chris Bassett, picked up Chris Bassett. So, um, enough rambling about that. There's a couple things. I, I'm trying to just bring to light a couple things just to look at and be aware of. Go look in that transactions bin. Let's go to my other league. Let's look at the transactions bin. And I, I'd love to hear some feedback. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go through some transactions that happened this week. And then I'm gonna make I'm not gonna make any sort of lean to to how I feel about it. And I want you to reach out to me at Adam for Baseball, and that's at Twit on Twitter. Um, or I think maybe you can even reach out to me through um, Spotify, possibly. But let's just go over. We're gonna go over the last two days transactions. So that's five transactions. Okay. Guy picked up Brady Singer. And he dropped Garrett Whitlock, who was on the IL. Another guy picked up Marco Gonzalez and dropped Martin Perez. Someone else who had an open spot on the roster picked up Gio Urshela. The guy who picked up Marco also made a move to pick up Henry Ramos from the Reds and dropped Jorge Soler for the Marlins. And the last transaction guy picked up Lars Newtbar and dropped Chris Sale so this is why you, you have to know what's going on in your league and if I didn't look at that let's say I, I've been keeping let's say I've been like oh boy I would really like to get my hands on sale because I think you could turn around and have like a sneaky good year if I didn't look at the transactions I miss out on that because I think some, someone will pick them up and I know that now I'm kind of leaning to the idea of a transaction of how I feel about it, but also Lars Newtbar is a good player, and I have no problem with someone picking him up. I think that's actually an interesting pickup drop. But, um, yeah, so please reach out to me. Let me know what you think about that because I do think it is interesting. You know, um, Chris, on the, for the season, this is kind of an interesting guy to actually look at. He... Um, he have a bad overall? Yeah, because he had such a bad start, right? But his last, yeah, those first, oh, that's right, his first starts skewed those numbers, but his last three starts, he's pitched six innings, five innings, six and a third. And then he's had um, 16 strikeouts in there. The problem is he had a stinker against Baltimore where he had five innings, no strikeouts, Five runs allowed and a 2.0 whip. Those games that Sandwich had against Minnesota and Cleveland, who are both good teams, he pitched very well. And part of that feels like, part of that feels like because Chris Sale, you know, he used to pitch for the White Sox for a long time. And maybe it's just a bit of a, he's got a little bit more of that bulldog in him when he faces an old foe, you know? So think about that stuff if you're looking for a flyer even. Like someone who maybe, like Chris Sale, let's just say he's always kind of being picked up and dropped this season because of those kind of starts where he has a really poor one and then he has a couple of really nice ones. Look to capitalize on maybe things that you see, trends, right? So let's go, okay, here we go. Kind of our last little deep dive on, on someone, right? This is free information. Like, this is stuff you should be doing. Hopefully you're doing. But let's go ahead and look at Chris Sale. What we're going to do again on Baseball Reference, we're going to go splits. We're going to go career. And then I want to go to opponent. 
So who does he who does he have the most? Let's go strike let's go strikeouts per nine. Or no, let's go ERA. Sorry. And then we need a certain amount of games. You want at least like 10 games pitched. And here's a weird one. Boy, is this a weird one. Okay, so these are the things that stick out and it doesn't make sense. Why? These are one of my, these are, this is why you look this stuff up. Chris Sale in 10 games against the Los Angeles Angels in his career, he is 7 0 with a 1.06 ERA and 59 and a third innings pitched with 66 strikeouts and has given up only two home runs in those almost 60 innings. That's incredible. That's, that is bizarre. And then here's another one. Um, on the flip side, Baltimore Orioles, one of his higher ERAs, but he has a good win-loss because Baltimore was so bad back in the day. Minnesota Twins, one of his overall higher ERAs. He's pitched 144 innings against them, 187 strikeouts against them. He's only 11-6 and six against them, but that's not bad. 3.81 ERA. Also, that tells you how good he's been over his career. To have like one of his worst teams that he faced is a Twins, and it's only 3.81 ERA. That's why I think it's really hard for people because they they think, well, he's 34, and, you know, if you can just figure it out, it's there. Like this year, he's got 23 innings pitched, and he's got 30 strikeouts, right? So that he's missing bats. And then he has those games like – and that's – mind you, that's with a zero strikeout game against the Orioles. So these are weird things that I just have a tough time saying, no, you know what, because his overall stats say 8.22 ERA this year, that's just not good enough for me. But when I got two really good starts that I can point to, and even a third with his first win of the season was against Detroit, five innings pitched, seven um, Ks, he had like, I think, three earned runs. That's not a bad start. If he pitched one more inning, that's a that's a quality start. Right, obviously it's not because he didn't, so you can't do what ifs. But there are signs that he is good. He is running the same thing that Kluber had, where Kluber just gets crushed in games, and that's part of just Boston in general. They've been giving up a lot of runs, and they had really cruddy weather in Fenway. So don't sleep on guys just because there's an overall stat like that, right? So that's why even like Julio Urias. I'm not terribly worried about, you know, this guy's three and three this year, 4.41 ERA, um, 35 strikeouts and 32 and two thirds innings. Okay. But if we go to the game log, he's just had these two really bad starts, um, kind of back to back, right? Six earned runs and five earned runs before that his first four starts against Arizona, Colorado, San Francisco, and Chicago Cubs, he was very good. Now, this is the thing. He played against Chicago. His next start was against Chicago. It's never good a good thing when you see a pitcher have to face a team back-to-back typically. That's just like, oh, we, we just faced this guy. We know what we can do to beat him, right? And he pitched pretty well against him that first start. He wasn't great, but he was, he was good. And... So that's just kind of this is kind of one of those deals. And then he goes and he faces Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's been amazing. I mean, we're talking about the team that's leading the NL Central and leading the National League in wins, the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are 20 and 9. Okay. First place the NL West. Tied for first now after today's game. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, 16 and 13, tied with the Dodgers. Texas Rangers are on top of the AL West. Minnesota Twins are on top of the AL Central. 
And, of course, still the best team in baseball, Tampa Bay Rays, but right behind them, even with how good of a start Tampa Bay's had, the Baltimore Orioles are 19-9. and There are some outliers. These are outliers. I don't care. Look at past seasons and then look at how this season's going. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Diamondbacks. Those teams being on top of divisions or close to, that is – that is, those are outlier stats, right? That's not a typical where where the bell curve would sit. That's not typically where all of our our data points are. So keep an eye on that, and also be wary of that because is that sustainable when we know it's an outlier? In some cases, yes, because we know Baltimore has been building a thing, and we know that the talent's there, and a lot of people understand that. They don't have to play the AL East as much this this year, right? It's everybody plays everybody this year. And so that makes it technically, I think, an easier strength to schedule going into the year. And then, you know, Pittsburgh, they kind of have, you know, some young and up-and-comers, and they have this real – I mean, Brian Reynolds is exciting. They And I think the big thing that glued all this together is they brought in Andrew McCutcheon. And – not only does it bring excitement to the fan base, but it brings excitement to the clubhouse and it brings stability, it brings maturity. Those are big moves, okay? That's why the San Diego Padres for years, and they're, they're not alone. The Seattle Mariners did this. The Mets have done this. A lot of teams have done this. They'll bring in big free agents just because they're a big free agent and not think about, the, now they say more so than ever that they're looking at clubhouse guys but I don't believe that when I look back at some of their moves originally, right? They're just like, this guy has a lot of talent. Let's bring him in. Even the Yankees. The Yankees, back when they were buying everybody and then they couldn't win World Series, they'd get in the playoffs, right? That wasn't an issue, but they kind of collapsed in the playoffs and there was a lot of, you'd hear a lot of the murmurs about dissension in the ranks and all that. Part of that is just, yeah, you could have the best players in the world, but if they don't know how to play together, they don't respect one another. If they don't know how to get out of each other's way, if they don't know how to encourage one another, be leaders, and then submit to leadership sometimes, there's going to be problems. That's any sport, and that's work in general. That's human beings in general. So what you're seeing in Pittsburgh is a team that, A, is playing well on the road, and they've been beating good teams. And their pitching is starting to finally catch up. And it's pretty fun. They're a fun team to cheer for. I've always loved that ballpark. And now there's something exciting going on. And, yeah, that's there's some really positive things going on in baseball. There's also some really negative-like things with some ball clubs. I touched on it with Oakland before. Um, I'm not going to dwell on that again. Um, but... Yeah, look at those players on teams like Pittsburgh. So that's the thing that you'll see fantasy articles like, oh, hey, do you pick up this player from Pittsburgh because are they for real or not? You know, it's great clickbait. It's great this, this, and this. Do the research for yourself. Do you want this player? Do you think they can continue to be good? Or if you really having questions, this is why I always say have a spot on your bench for players that you don't care about dropping. You pick them up for a good run, a hot streak. And if you let them go and they have a great season, that's fine. But that, like, as long as that wasn't your intent and you already have stability in your main roster and you just like want good surges from player and you keep a spot for that, that's fine. Then pick up Rodolfo Castro from the Pittsburgh Pirates, right? Pick up Jack Sawinski. Make a trade for a Brian Reynolds because Brian Reynolds is for real. He's going to have slumps just like any other player. But that guy's a good player, and he's shown it. This is an, this is not an accident. Now, you're always going to keep getting players that eventually become year-in, year-out good players. Can you identify who those players are? Are you working towards identifying who those players are? Are you listening to other people talk about who those players are? I'm going to give you two players that I think you just at least keep an eye on just to understand a little more about what you should be looking for, right? Like, how do I say this right? 
Keep on these guys, and even if they don't play well, figure out why they're not playing well. What's not working for them? What's not working right around them? Stuff like that. One player that's always intriguing to me, and he always seems to be available in leagues, is um, J.P. Crawford. J.P. Crawford's one of those guys, he only has one steal this year, and that's a letdown. He's batting 238. That's a letdown. One home run. That's eh, kind of J.P. He's a doubles hitter, doubles and triples hitter. 14 runs. That's kind of more of a Seattle issue. Eight runs batted in. Most of those were like from one game. Watch JP though, because I think he's starting to. I think his swing's starting to to figure it out. So he had a really tough series against Toronto, but uh, I think um, I think there's something there. I think he's a very good player. Keep an eye on him. Now, if we switch to the pitching side of things, right? I'm not. We're not going to do a relief pitcher. We're going to do a. We're going to do a starter. Now the other guy would be. Um, let's go. Who's a good one to look at here? Um, oh, yeah, this is a really good one, actually. And he's been good, but he's not on a good team and he's not getting wins is Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray has been a guy that I've wanted to pick up several times. Even last year I wanted to pick him up. He's a guy I want to play in DraftKings and don't. I have, but I, I really shy away from him, and then he'll have a fantastic game. He's part of what Washington's trying to build over there, and he could be a big part of it going forward. He's not going to necessarily be the ace once everything starts to fall into place for them because they made those big moves. Like they traded away Soto, right? They traded away Bryce Harper back in the day. Or was that a trade? Ooh, now I can't remember. Maybe they didn't. Maybe those. Who else did they trade? There's some guys that they got in that were from big trades. I think um, I want to say. No, I can't. I can't say for sure. Now, now I'm guessing. So, but Josiah Gray is part of this rebuild, and that's why the Washington Nationals are frustrating because they beat up Johan Oviedo today. Johan's been great. The Nationals beat up on the Twins. They're super pesky. They don't hit a lot of home runs, but they're annoying to face, and they are a like a college team. When something gets rolling, they just keep rolling. They're a very contagious hitting team. And then if you can throw in good pitching with that, they could win more ball games. They really could. They're, they're not as bad as their record is, in my opinion. Some days it looks like it. But, yeah, Josiah only won to know this or one win this year because, you know, they can't score runs when he's pitching, apparently. He's 1-4. He's got 2.93 ERA, 25 strikeouts. In 27 and two-thirds. So that's the knock on him is that his doesn't get enough strikeouts. But you see him, right? So if we go to his game log, Josiah has had a game against the Mets. Struck out nine batters in six innings. No runs allowed. Four hits, one walk. That's an amazing game. And that's in New York. Incredible game. But then you have the games where you're like, oh, man, what, you know, in Colorado, he should end up giving up runs, so people shy away from him. Six innings, one run, six strikeouts. But then he has a game against Baltimore, five innings, only three strikeouts. The inconsistency on how many bats he's missing, I think, is where people really are like, well, I need, I need him to strike out more batters. I think he's worth keeping an eye on. And he's going to have his down times, just like any pitcher. But if you look about look out that will like look at what's out there for guys with a lot of strikeouts, the ERAs are so high right now that it's I don't really know what to think. And I talked a little bit about this last week. And I'm going a little long this week, so I apologize. The disparity in runs in games is crazy. Like the Tampa Bay Rays have a plus one hundred and three run differential. The Oakland A's have a minus 117. The Texas Rangers have a plus 72. The second place Cleveland Guardians in the AL Central has a minus 17 run differential. The Twins are plus 26, right? The AL Central is playing very poorly this year, and it's bumming me out because I think there's more talent there than, than that. 
Um, MLB.com, if you go to their standings, and they're not the only ones, but they have um, a, 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 a statistic on the standings, which is expected win-loss record. It's X W slash L. And that's based on runs scored and runs allowed. So you take someone like the Tampa Bay Rays, and their their record is twenty three and six. Their expected win loss is twenty three and six. Now let's find one that's really there's a lot of disparity. Like whoa, hot, why, wait, why is it like that? And I'm gonna find one for you here. I know there's a couple. Um. Okay. Okay, here's a good one. The Chicago Cubs are 14 and 13 this year, right? They they went on a real cold streak lately, but they have a plus 43 run differential. Their expected win-loss is 18 and 9. That's four wins. That's a four-win difference. Um that's that's pretty wild. Like Early on in the season, like you're saying, based on, on how you're performing, scoring runs, and then what what's happening is going back to there are so many games where teams are winning by at least 10 runs every day. And I know that that can happen, but we're in April and that's happening. So it's, it's very bizarre. I don't know if the pace of the games have something to do with it and where it's just some games when it's bad, it's really bad, and that's kind of what I've seen. But... I don't know. I I don't want to go down too many more tangents here. So I, I'm going to just end it right here and say uh, thank you for listening. Please tell me how things are going in your league. Um, once again, reach out to me at Adam for Baseball, and that's on Twitter. Um, if you have any questions or comments or just saying hi, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends about this if it's something you think they'd enjoy. I, I know it's just kind of a niche thing and it's some random guy ranting about transactions typically but <laughs> i appreciate you listening appreciate you spending time with me and uh have a fantastic week